0: Good morning, and welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren for May the 3rd. Happy May. We were recording this on April 30th, so things may have changed between the time we put this to digital information and when this actually comes up. So keep your eyes out on our email and Facebook um, to see if there's been any new updates. Our Bible study continues to meet every Tuesday night at seven o'clock. We use Zoom and if you're unfamiliar with Zoom, check out our email, our Facebook. We have the information for logging on there and we actually open it up at six o'clock. So if you're unfamiliar with it, both myself and Janice are always on there early just to give you an extra hand. You can also call us, just to whatever you need to work out to make it work for you. We are continuing with the first letter of John, which we got through kind of the introduction last week and we're actually doing the first really big part this coming week, which is going to be, I believe, uh, from the chapter one, verse five, through chapter three, verse 10. So I'm looking forward to that, to be completely frank. I, I enjoy doing these so much. We would love to have you join it's not only a great time to, to delve into the Word, but it's a great time to see one another. Not only do we get to see some of these same folks every week, which is just great, but we have also had a number of people who have been joining, and we've had a number of people who haven't, we haven't been able to see in a very long time, and it's wonderful that we're able to do this. The music this week... Bev is going to be playing Lord Be Glorified by Bob Kiltpatrick and arranged by Mark Hayes. Janice and Olivia will be singing Help My Unbelief by Audrey Assad. And the hymn this week is number 557, O oh God in Restless Living by Henry, uh, Harry Fosdick and Edward Rimbolt. I want to thank all those who have continued to financially support the church you have allowed us to continue our work here every week and even to try new things and to continue to spread our ministry in new directions if you would like to send your tithes you can mail them right here to the church or if you have a key you can come in and drop it off and we'll make sure it gets to the right place We have someone in here pretty much daily to make sure that mail isn't sitting around in the mailbox. I invite you now to enter into a time of worship followed by prayer as we listen to our first music. Welcome. pray with me. God, in times of belief and unbelief, you love us no matter where we are on our journey, whether we are pointing steadfastly towards you or wandering lost. We thank you for your unfailing love. Help us to open our hearts to you even though We have not seen you with our own eyes. Wash away the trauma and distraction of our lives so that we can see you more clearly. We lift up some of our friends and family as they are dealing with trauma in their lives now, recovering from injuries, surgeries, and illness for those mourning the loss of those they love. We thank you for your presence in our lives, even as we hold each other at a distance. Help us to continue being their servants. Help us to continue being their brothers and sisters. We lift up those who continue to look for different futures, that they have the confidence and the strength as they strive for their goals. We ask for their protection and the protection for all those working in this world, those who provide sustenance, shelter, and safety for our medical professionals, educators, police, and firefighters, and politicians as they work in new ways to keep our world moving forward. We pray for all these people and those who we hold silently now in our hearts. We pray all these things in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's scripture comes from the Gospel of John in the chapter 20. We're going to be going through 19 through 29. This actually starts on the day of Easter and runs through the following Sunday. When it was evening of that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the home were where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was known as the twin, was, and one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark on the na- of the nails in his hands and put my fingers in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was sent with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Blessed is this ancient word for us. Amen. Thomas was an important disciple. I know it may not seem like that from a lot of the Gospels, and that's not to say that there weren't disciples. I mean, there were disciples who weren't important. But of the 12, there are only five that are actually consistently identified in all four Gospels. As you go through, sometimes names change, or they're only referred to uh, by a title. John likes to do that. He likes to refer to them only by a title. But of the 12, as I said, five are always Listed. Thomas is one, and you can probably guess the others. Peter, Andrew, James, John. I'm sorry, it's Peter, Andrew, Philip, and Judas Iscariot. Not even James and John. Two of the first get named in every one. Now, he doesn't actually get any speaking time in the Synoptic Gospels, the first three Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You have to all wait until you get to John before you hear anything from Thomas. And he speaks three times in that gospel. But he's usually only remembered for this last time, for that story that we now call Doubting Thomas. Why? Why is that it? When we look at his full story, though, he, it's a little denser, I think, at least in my understanding. Let's go back. Let's go back to chapter 11 in John. That's the first time we hear John's voice. Now in chapter 11, Jesus and the 12 have just escaped from the area of Bethany. They were going to be stoned because they believed Jesus was a blasphemer. Which, let's face it, if anybody else said some of the things Jesus had said, that would have been considered blasphemy because he claimed to be the Son of God. So they had escaped. However, Jesus' friend, the brother of Mary and Martha, had died. And he wanted to go back and pay his respects to Lazarus. Of course, the other, you know, his 12, they didn't think this was a great idea. Why would you go back, Jesus? They just tried to stone you. You just escaped. It doesn't even tell us how they escaped. They just escape. But no, Jesus is going back. He's got a mission to do. And as we know, he raises Lazarus from the dead. It's Thomas, though. It's Thomas that speaks up and says, let us go also, for we may die with him then. It's not the happiest thought. It's really quite fatalistic. But he's the first one. He's the first one that says, let's go anyway. Yeah, we're walking into what will probably be our deaths, but let's go. The second time Thomas talks it's in chapter 14, so just a little bit later. And Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going to go ahead to the Father's house. And he tells them, you'll know the way. Now, this is really distressing for Thomas. He does not like this idea at all. Lord, he says. We don't know where exactly you're going. How how can we know the way there? Jesus answers with this very famous passage. I am the way, the truth, and the light. None comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Yet again, Thomas is the one who wants to follow Jesus no matter where he goes. No matter what he does, Thomas will go too. And now he's distressed because Jesus is saying he was going to leave without him. Twice, twice before the cross, Thomas wants to follow no matter what. To me, when I read this passage, Thomas... Thomas' story sounds like an old character trope. You know, the one who loved and lost and refuses to love again. The first film that actually came to mind when I was thinking about it was Toy Story 2. It's been out long enough that if you haven't seen it, it's your own fault if this is a spoiler. Anyway, there's this cowgirl named Jessie. She's a toy. And she was once the beloved toy of a little girl, the one who, who was played with every day, who slept in the same bed, who, who went to school with her. You've all had that toy, right? But as she grew, of course, that little girl's taste changed. What she did changed. And Jessie became forgotten and eventually was left at the side of the road for a charity. She went from being loved and loving to being abandoned and heartbroken. She was not going to experience that again. And when you meet her in the film, that's where she's at. She's not going to let her heart be opened again. She's still carrying that sadness and distrust within her. Of course, as the movie goes on, her character develops and she opens up and she refines her purpose as a toy and allows herself to become excited to be played with, to love and be loved again. Thomas is like Jesse. He has been hurt. He who had such a level of trust in Jesus, such a loyalty that he would follow Jesus into what he was pretty sure was death, He is not going to open himself again. Is Jesus really back? Is it a trick? Are these guys being mean to me? Maybe he returned. Maybe. I'm going to want proof, though. And I'm not letting myself be hurt. I want the proof. He's not going to let his hope begin to fly again just to have it dashed. We've probably all experienced that at some point in our lives. Opening ourselves up and then being hurt. Closing ourselves up again. Protecting our hearts. Putting up a wall. Putting on armor of some kind. And the greater the hope, the more you are invested, the more it hurts. The more difficult it is to reach that point of, being ready to open up again. Thomas was a follower of Jesus. And if we're reading just John, he may have been the most loyal follower of the Christ. This shifts his disbelief, at least as I read it. The night that Jesus first appeared to his disciples. That was Easter night. That's not that long ago. He just died. I mean, Mary had gone that morning and found the tomb empty. Peter and the beloved disciple went and confirmed it. And then they left, and Mary stood there for a while yet, crying, and and she met two angels. And then Jesus. And she's the only one still. Until that night when when those ten are gathered and Jesus appears to them. Thomas, no. No, no, no. First I need to see the scars in his hands. I need to touch them. I need to see the spear hole in his side. I need to see where he was hurt. It may be that he does doubt the resurrection. I mean, obviously, he doesn't believe his friends. But more so, he fears finding and losing Jesus again. Losing Jesus is a hard thing to deal with, though it's surprisingly common. Dr. Melvin Baber. You don't know him, but he was the, my mission teacher in seminary. Now... It's meant to be a really hard class. The idea is that you really delve into yourself. You really delve into your personality, your character. You also delve into your faith. You try to understand better who you are. It's designed to strain your understandings, it's designed to find the cracks. For a lot of seminarians, it's painful. And he told us on our first day with him about his time as a seminary student when he sat in our seats as a student of formation. He had come in a passionate Christian, which he still is. A well-versed in scriptures, which he still is, and seemingly unshakable faith in Jesus which he actually still has too. However, his time in class soon found him a sobbing mess in the dean's office. He wanted to leave school. He told the dean, they have taken away my Jesus. That Christ he knew growing up, the one he prayed to every day, the one he was ready to serve as a minister for. That Jesus was gone. Shattered little pieces lying around the ground all around him. The dean said to him, don't give up yet. See this process through and make a decision at the end of the year. Dr. Baber did as he was instructed, and he's glad for it. He thought that his Jesus was destroyed, but what he found was Jesus wasn't gone. Only his perception of who Jesus was. Those pieces were used to rebuild his faith into something stronger and larger. He lost his Jesus, but gained a better connection to the eternal Christ. Thomas lost his Jesus, the one he thought he could follow anywhere. The Messiah who would establish a kingdom of heaven here on earth. But then he got to see the risen Christ. And his Jesus was replaced by that much bigger eternal Christ. We all go through these periods of disbelief. These periods of doubt, these periods also of belief, of assurity. Sometimes we feel like our faith is unshakable, and other times we are a crying mess on the floor with our hearts feeling like they're broken open. Jesus is still there. He doesn't reject Thomas for his disbelief. He does chide him a little bit. But he still is loved. He's still welcomed back in. Our relationship with God is really like a relationship with most any other person. There are periods of strain. They they all come from us. But we are always welcomed back. We will always find that we never really lost Christ. Only those false perceptions of who we think Christ is. And when those are torn away, we get a little bit closer to what the true divine is. Thomas doubted when the others believed. Of course, he was also the only one who didn't see the risen Christ right in the beginning. Even Paul got to see the living Christ before he converted But may we be blessed by Thomas' story, knowing that we'll always find Christ again, whether we doubt or believe. Jesus is there. No matter how often and how hard our faith is tested, whether we succeed or fail, Jesus is there. And may we have the faith even though we don't get to see him directly. Thank you. In this week, may our eyes be open to seeing Jesus in our world. May our ears be open to hearing the Messiah's good news. May our hearts be forever open to welcoming Christ in our lives. And may these things empower our souls to the work set before us. Amen.